2: Your travel insurance.
0: And prepare for takeoff.
1: Hello, fellow travelers. Hey, Hey, squatties. Welcome to episode 122 of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we're taking you across the pond to the iconic city of London.
0: Jamal and I spent three full days exploring London, and there was just so much to see and do. We had such a great time. I love London, and I actually can't wait to go back, hopefully in the near future.
1: I've never been to London. I would love to go in the near future. I would love to go and experience an authentic afternoon tea while speaking in English accent, of course. (laughs) I have a lot of questions for this episode because I would really love to get there in 2022, maybe 2023, if possible. I'm excited we're doing this episode.
2: Well, I love how Brittany says she's ready to go back because I told her London is one of the most favorite places that I've been in our travels. I told her London and Japan, like I'm ready to go back even though we don't wanna do repeats until we hit off like our main ones. And so I don't know when it's gonna be, but I hope it's when you go, Kim, because I know you really didn't want to do an episode on London until you went, but we're like, we need to do a London episode. It's one of the few places in Europe that's actually open right now. People have been asking for it too. Yes. So I loved London a lot. I wish we could have spent more time there. We spent only three days because we did a week long and then hopped over to Amsterdam a little bit too, which was a fun city. But believe it or not, I enjoyed London a lot more than I did Amsterdam. And I can't wait to dive into this episode.
0: All right. Let's dive in. We have tips, tips,
2: tips, always first.
0: So my favorite tip of course is to download offline maps because if you don't have service for free or data for free in London, this is the best way to get around.
1: Do you have a tip for the best month of the year to visit?
0: Yeah, so it gets pretty dreary out in London. And so I would say anytime between March and September is the best time to go. The weather is more mild, even still in like the summer months still average like seven to nine days of rain. So October through January is more of their rainy season.
2: And we had gone in September, so we were at that tail end, and at one point, it really rained on us real, real hard when we went to Stonehenge, but I think that was really about it, but London's just known for that dreary weather, Mm -hmm. so expect a lot of overcast, and if you go in the summer months, it's usually pretty mild temperature, but Europe's been getting a lot of heat waves as of late, so you just may be there on one of those crazy times, but for the most part, weather's pretty good during that March Mm -hmm. to September.
0: And when you're in London, you're gonna have to take the metro around a lot. It's the best way to get around London. And so there is a really good tube map app. It's called Tube Map London Underground. And so it does work really well for iPhones and it works offline as well. Ooh. And you don't have to put in the tube station you're getting towards. You can put in like major landmarks like Tower of London and London Bridge, and it'll tell you which is the closest tube stations to go to and where you have to transfer and where you should get off.
2: I really like that feature about this app because sometimes I've noticed a lot of metro apps for cities around the world will tell you, okay, you want to get here to here, put in what station. But I don't know what station's closest to the landmark that I want to go to. And this app allows you, like Brittany said, to just put in that landmark. So if I know I'm in one place and the tube is right by my hotel and I want to go to Big Ben this morning, I just put in Big Ben. Boom, it tells me which one. So really clutch, makes it really, really simple. And the fact that it works offline is fantastic. Another really good tip, speaking about the London Underground and Metro, is get yourself an Oyster card. And an Oyster card is only available to tourists. You can get it online. If you just Google London Oyster card, you'll get to the appropriate vendors. You can buy it ahead of time online, or certain stations and places within London will allow you to buy it and what this card is is it's a pre-loaded card and let's just say you want to put 50 pounds on the card for you and basically it allows you to get discounted rates on the metro but once you hit a certain amount that you've spent in a day all your other trips that day become free for you so it gives you discounted rates and then it caps you it's not like other ones that we've encountered and experienced like when we're talking about japan that just give you unlimited you still have to pay for these but it has that cap that makes it really really clutch and it'll save you a lot of money.
0: Last tip that we have for London is definitely stay outside of the city if you're looking for more of a budget or to save some money because staying outside of the city is so much cheaper. But what you should do is stay outside the city near a tube line. So that way you have really easy access. That made it really, really easy for us to get around, but also to save money in the process. Would you say that London is an expensive city?
2: Definitely. You already lose a lot of money in the conversion to dollars to pounds. To pounds. It used to be like two pounds was $1. So you really lost half of your money when exchanging. It's not that way anymore. But in general, General, with your conversion, you lose money. And yes, it is expensive, but that's why we suggest the Oyster card staying out of central London, unless you're trying to be fancy schmancy and be downtown in a nice place. That's where I'll be. Yeah. (laughs) But the metro line and staying outside city center is a really clutch tip to save money.
1: You guys said you were there for three days. Yes. That includes the flying from San Diego.
2: No, three full days that we spent in okay. London. And then on that fourth day, we left early in the morning to go to Amsterdam. So we got about three full days for us.
1: Okay, let's let's hear it. What are some of the highlights of the things that you did?
0: So Jamal booked us a tour on a double-decker bus. And what was really cool about that is we did that on our first day and it really gave us the lay of the city and the land because we got to hear about the history and we got to do a short cruise on one of the rivers, the Thames River out there. And so it was really nice to go to the city, get a good layout, and then later explore the city ourselves. We saw Big Ben, Tower Bridge, London Bridge, and some just major highlights of the city.
2: I really enjoyed this, and we've given this as a squad tip in a lot of other episodes. Is when you go to a new city, and if you're going to be spending a lot of time, do like the hop on, hop off, or like a city tour. When in London, you got to ride a double decker bus. I mean, London made the double decker famous, right? So, we actually purchased this tour off of Viator, and it gave us the lay of the land, as Brittany said, showed us all the highlights of city center and kind of surrounding area. And it did also include a afternoon trip to Stonehenge. And that's what really sold it to me also was like, all right, we're going to get a lay of the land, ride a double decker and then go to Stonehenge because it's far from downtown London and we weren't about to rent a car. And as good as their metro and bus system is out there, didn't want to do that. So we really enjoyed that aspect and look for tours on Viator, Airbnb experience, wherever to do the double decker.
1: So you would recommend the double decker bus first thing you do when visiting London? Absolutely. I love that.
0: So we went in September, which is still part of their summer season. And so during the summer season, Buckingham Palace is actually open for visitors to go inside. It's the only time of the year that you're able to do that because the queen in the summer months leaves the palace and she goes on her own vacations, her own summer vacation.
2: She's vacationing in Scotland at this time. So that's when they open Uh it up for us tourists to go in. And what a unique experience. I mean, when are you going to get to tour a royal palace? I thought to myself, we're here during an unusual time in the sense that it's open for tours. We have to go in and see it. And it is definitely grand. I mean, you see it from the outside and you think to yourself like, eh, you know, like doesn't look great. But then you go in and then you just see all the gold etchings, the artwork and the ambiance of it all. And it's quite breathtaking.
0: Yeah, we were able to go through 19 of the rooms, and they have a whole bunch of gifts that she's received over the years from other famous people on display. And then you also get the chance to explore the palace gardens as well. And then on top of that, we saw some of the rooms that are used for entertaining and ceremonies. So it was a very unique experience to be able to walk through and learn about the history of the palace.
2: We got to see her throne the throne really? room they still have them <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow question
1: buckingham palace is that where they have those guards that you can do anything to and they don't move at all yes and did you do did you see them did they
2: we did see them and no we did not do anything to them
1: <laughs> but did they look like stone-cold statues not moving. And they're
2: just standing out there in their little box that they have that looks like a tiny telephone booth, and yeah, they are definitely not moving. We also did see the changing of the guard. I'm glad you actually mentioned the guards and the security forces, if you will, then, Kim, because we got to see the changing of the guard ceremony, where they come down the Royal Promenade Street that they have. I forgot the name, but it is on the palace grounds or close to it, where they do the changing of the guard, and it's a very unique ceremony to see. And we were able to check that out.
0: Yeah, it was a, definitely a lot to see. We When we went, we didn't even realize that we could go inside the palace. And so while we were there for changing the guard, we came across a sign saying that it's open for tours. And we're like, what better time to go than now and just experience that.
2: And, you know, what's really funny is during the bus tour that we did, clearly they go around Buckingham Palace literally the front and the back. And I thought to myself like, okay, I mean, I've seen photos of this. It doesn't look that grand, doesn't look that great. And then you get inside. And again, like I said, it's very, very impressive. But after that, we also had to see the main sights of London, even though we saw it on the double deck tour, we got to go ourselves, check it out. We went to Big Ben. If you don't know what Big Ben is, I feel like you've been living under a rock your entire life. Is that the clock? It is the clock. Yes. (laughs) Well, technically, no, Kim. I'm actually glad you said that. Big Ben is the name of the bell in the clock. It is just the normal clock tower of the Westminster Palace, which is actually where the House of Parliament sits. So it used to be a palace. Now it's the House of Parliament. And Big Ben is actually the bell. But most people think it is that famous clock tower.
1: Okay. I'm glad that you clarified because you are our historian. So yes. We needed that. <laughs> yes. It's a
2: good little tidbit. If you ever play trivia and they ask you that, it is not the clock. It is the bell itself. But what was kind of disappointing about Big Ben for us when we were there was not the fact that, oh, it's underwhelming. It's that they were doing restoration work to it. So we did see it. They had the scaffolding up of maybe about halfway and the actual clock was visible for us to see, but I wish we could have seen more. But it was such a unique experience. Yes, we saw it on the bus, but my favorite thing was when we were actually exploring it ourselves, We took the underground and then it literally has you come up from underground from the subway and then we're right in front of it. And that was just such a unique experience. Like you're standing below it and you're like, holy crap, this is actually huge. I've seen this so many times in my life, like on TV and movies. And here I am. It was so cool to just come from the subway and then boom, it's like right there.
0: Yeah. And Big Ben is actually one of the most Instagrammed landmarks on the planet. And Jamal said it's so tall, it actually stands 316 feet tall. And it was built in 1859. And when it was built, it was the largest and most accurate clock in the world. It seems like on this day,
1: you guys were just going around seeing all the sights. Tell me that you saw the Tower of London.
0: How could we not see the Tower of London? I was so excited to see the Tower of London because there is a lot of history within its walls and Jamal and I have some good days where we just Netflix and chill and we binge watch some shows and there is a show called Two Doors in which a lot of the scenes in there are at the Tower of London and so I was so excited to to actually be there and experience it firsthand myself.
2: Well, the Tower of London itself is really quite interesting. It was used as a prison a fortress, and even, I believe at one point, a palace. So today it's actually used to house the crown jewels of the United Kingdom. So you could go in there, see those. It's almost a museum now to explore everything royal about it, but the unique history about it of the fact that it was a prison. And going back to what Brittany was saying about the TV show that we watched, The Tudors, The Tudor was a royal family back in the day. The most famous of them was probably King Henry VIII. I think he had something about seven or eight wives himself, beheaded a couple of them. He beheaded one of his queens at the Tower of London, and we got to go to the spot specifically where she was beheaded. And it's so interesting to see because, one, we just watched it on the TV show, and two, I love history. I knew of her beheading, and now here I am at the actual spot of a place that I've learned about in history class.
1: I always feel... Like this, like vibe, you know, when you're on those places that major points in history have taken place, like Mm -hmm. when we're at Machu Picchu or, you know, like the Sistine Chapel in Italy, you just, you're just like, wow, like. World altering history happened right where I am standing hundreds of years before. It's crazy. It is
0: crazy. And Kim, you were asking about the guards. This place is heavily guarded because it houses the crown jewels. And so we did get to be closer to the guards here because they're directly right outside of the building.
2: But what's interesting about these guards here, they're not the ones that are around at the palace that stand all stiff and have the big Mm -hmm. furry hats that almost look Russian. These guards are called beef eaters. Oh. Yeah. And
1: what do they look like?
2: It's weird. They still are dressed like they are from the classic time. They have these weird hats and not the big tall ones. I can't really describe it like puffy looking pants and things (laughs) like that. Yeah. It's really interesting. Just Google beef eaters London. They, They look different than the normal ones.
1: Oh, okay. Like puffy arms, weird jackets. You can imagine like George Washington hair. Yeah, they're still in the (laughs)
2: royal red colors, but they're a little bit more puffy than the traditional uniforms that you're used to seeing. So the Beefeaters are the ones that guard the Tower of London.
0: Yeah, so we did get to walk the grounds and we saw Tower Green, which is where some of the famous royal executions took place. And so King Henry had three queens that were beheaded and one of them was beheaded here right at that spot. What did they do to get beheaded?
2: It's quite interesting. He became unhappy with a lot of his wives because they were unable to produce heirs for him, Mm -hmm. but a lot of different things. And he just got unsatisfied and then decided he was going to kill them. I don't know if it was anything in particular other than just dissatisfaction.
1: Wow. We've come a long way for women's rights.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And look at that. Now the UK has a queen instead of a king who's going out killing people and killing queens. So there you go.
0: (laughs) Tower of London also has ravens. We actually didn't learn this until after we visited, but there's a group of captive ravens that are residents of the tower and they're treated like royalty. Oh my gosh.
1: How does a raven get treated like royalty?
0: I don't know, but there was some superstition about their presence. And so their presence is believed to protect the crown and the tower. And so they feel like if the ravens are lost or fly away, the crown will fall and Britain will fall with it. So they're treated like royalty. So they stay. Hmm.
2: Another classic London site that you have to see is Westminster Abbey. This is the famous church that they have. Lots of famous people and even royalty are interned here. This is where they have the royal weddings. And it is a functioning normal church. So we were able to go on a normal day and see the choral service, which is the choir service that they do have where they're singing the hymns and everything like that. And so it was really fun and so interesting to go in there royal weddings happened there. You think about who's been in there in terms of famous people around the world. And by that, I'm talking, you know, presidents, prime ministers, royalty, not even just the UK royalty, but other royalty around the world when they're there. And it's crazy. I don't think I've been in a place where I know this many people of importance have been in.
0: And it has beautiful Gothic-style architecture. The building is absolutely stunning. And like Jamal said, it has just such historical significance. All coronations since the year 1066 of English and British monarchs have occurred in the Westminster Abbey, and it's hosted
1: 16 royal weddings. Oh my God, 1066. That is some history I can't even wrap my mind around.
0: Yeah, and so Jamal said, you know, we did go for choral, which is like their choir, and that was actually recommended to me from a former patient's daughter of mine. And she was like, yeah, if you're going, you should definitely go. It's a very unique experience. And so we did. And we really, really liked it.
2: 1066 was the year, Kim. Just imagine in 44 years, that building is going to be a thousand years old.
1: That's crazy. That's how old
2: it is. And it's still standing right there. So beyond just even if you don't care about the people who are interned in there, I think Isaac Newton is interned in there, if I'm not mistaken, or some famous astronomer or scientist, plus a lot of other people. So if you don't even care about that, just the history about the fact that this is a thousand years old is incredible.
1: What
0: exactly does interned mean?
2: It means that's where their crypt and body lays at oh. rest.
0: Yeah, there's over three thousand people of prominence of British history that are interned there.
2: Oh my gosh!
1: So it's a cemetery and a church. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, it is free to attend services there, so you can go to morning prayer, Holy Communion, and choral. If you'd is like. there a denomination that that church is?
2: The Church of England
0: that's a, a religion?
2: That's a specific denomination. Well, I don't know if it's a specific denomination, if it's Protestant or what- Christian, uh, ca- well, that kind of thing. Definitely not Catholic. And, you know, King Henry VIII, who we talked about, who beheaded his wife, he was actually the king who broke the UK and England away from the Catholic Church. And the reason why he did that and created the Church of England is because the Catholic Church wouldn't allow his first divorce from his first wife because she couldn't provide him with an heir. <laughs> so So
1: he just beheaded her. <laughs> well, no, he did
2: not behead that one. He did not behead his first wife or queen. He just divorced her. And when the Catholic Church wouldn't do it, he started the Church of England. So Westminster Abbey is part of the Church of England, which specific denomination? I couldn't tell you that, Kim. I do not know.
0: Hey travelers, let's take a quick detour to talk all about our traveler itineraries that we've created just for you. We now have six different trip itineraries, one week in Kauai, an American Southwest weekend
2: or road trip, a week in Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks,
0: a road trip adventure featuring all three of Washington State's national parks,
2: Big Island, Hawaii, and an Arizona road trip that features all three of Arizona's national parks.
1: We are obsessed with these. These itineraries are 20 to 30 page PDF guides with every detail of the trip laid out. We're talking where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, and driving distance between attractions plus what things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend and their mileage and the time to allow for each one and
0: so much more. We have story highlights on our Instagram at Travel Squad Podcast where you can see the full guides. We've done all of the research and have taken these exact trips, taking out all of the guesswork from the planning, so all that you have to do is show up and have fun.
2: Purchase your comprehensive Travel Squad Podcast itinerary on our website at TravelSquadPodcast.com Best of all, they're on sale right now for $30, so
0: Download the new Bumble now.
2: But one thing that I wanted to do, other than the famous sites of London that I wanted to go to and see was go Harrods. And if you don't know what Harrods is, just imagine this as the most luxurious shopping place in the entire world. Now, maybe it's been taken over by a few places in Dubai and other countries like that, but Harrods is still world renowned. You can equate it to a department store, but everything is under its own brand. They have restaurants in there, luxury items. It was said that if you want anything in the world, you can go to Harrods and ask for it, and they have a specific department to get it. You want a tiger as a pet, Kim? You go to Herod's and you can go ahead and get it. You want a Ferrari that they've only made three cars of in the entire world, you go to Harrods, you tell somebody, and then you're gonna go ahead wow. and get it. So it's a regular store. It's fun to go in and see, but they have a specific department that caters to the ridiculously affluent and wealthy where you can get those crazy extreme things at.
1: Did you buy anything there?
2: I'm not rich enough to uh, buy Nothing, anything. Nothing, not there. even no, like
0: a pen. We well, bought a Christmas ornament. Okay. I thought
2: Harris. you meant the Ferrari, Kim. <laughs> That's what I thought you were the talking tiger. about. The tiger. Yes. No, that stuff I did not get. But yes, our London Christmas ornament came from Harrods, as a matter of fact.
1: Very cool. I didn't know about that place. That sounds like a sight to see. And you want to buy something to like, take that home and say, I shopped at Harrods.
0: (laughs) You literally can be in there for hours and get lost. It is the most elaborate shopping emporium. They have like a chocolatier shop. They sell macaroons. They sell furniture. They sell electronics. They sell clothing. There's a department for everything there.
2: So when you're there, do check it out. It's one of those things that's unique to the London culture beyond just the actual sites to see that we've gone over. But speaking of the sights to see, how can you go to London and not ride the London Eye?
1: Tell me you wrote it. Of course we wrote it.
2: (laughs) Kim, this is up your alley. I know you're all about city Ferris wheels, and (laughs) you want to give a shit about the Miami situation. We ended up riding it, but it's a normal Ferris wheel. The London Eye is not a normal Ferris wheel. It is grand. It is impressive. It'll give you 360-degree views of London. You have to ride it, even though it is a tourist trap. I highly recommend it.
1: Does it feel royal inside the carriages? Negative. (laughs) (laughs) Does London have skyscrapers? Does it look like a big city?
2: Absolutely. London does have skyscrapers. It's funny. Not a lot of people know this and everyone thinks London is the capital of England And to an extent, it really is. But the truth is, Westminster is the capital. And that's the city center within London that has Westminster Abbey. It has the Westminster Palace, which is the House of Parliament where Big Ben is. And it's a very, very small quarter. And that's technically the capital. And then everything outside of that surrounding is London and is what's deemed as the capital. But that's the other city centers like finance, skyscrapers, everything Mm -hmm. like that is all in the surrounding area.
0: So the London Eye is enclosed because, again, there's a lot of dreary days. And on the day that we went, it did sprinkle a little bit. So it's nice to be in an enclosed capsule. And it's on the south bank of the River Thames in London. And so it's across the way. And so it gives you these beautiful 360-degree views of the city. And at the time that we went, we went back in, I want to say, 2017? 2017. 2017. So no COVID, no COVID restrictions. Each capsule can hold 25 people. And so it takes about 30 minutes for the Ferris wheel to rotate, but it goes pretty slowly. So you have plenty of time to get the views, get pictures, really enjoy it. I would just recommend not going when it's super foggy because then you wouldn't be able to see across the river.
2: Another highlight to do in London is going to be to go to Tower Bridge. Now, most people, when they think of Tower Bridge and not necessarily the dame, just the image of it, that's what they think London Bridge is. And London Bridge is not Tower Bridge. As a matter of fact, London Bridge that gets all the fame in terms of just people speaking and talking about it is very, very unimpressive. I can't <laughs> even believe that it's trash like that. But Tower Bridge is what you want to go ahead and see. And it is so, so awesome it's one of the most recognizable landmarks in all of london and like i said often confused with london bridge
1: i can't remember which one it is london or tower but lake havasu arizona has one of them
2: it is london bridge it is london (laughs) i've
1: seen it It didn't look that impressive
2: exactly it's london bridge (laughs) london bridge is not impressive skip london bridge as a matter of fact that's a squad tip Skip London Bridge. I'm going to say it again.
0: But go to Tower Bridge. Tower Bridge is very recognizable. It's a beautiful drawbridge spanning 800 feet in length across the River Thames. And it has these two bridge towers on other sides that look like castles. They're very beautiful.
2: Yeah. And we ended up walking across it. And if you're very fortunate enough to actually see them open the drawbridge, it's a very big rarity. It's almost like when you go to Chicago and they lift the bridges that go over the river in Chicago, mm. they only do it at certain times a year. And so we were fortunate enough to actually see them lift the drawbridge. We did. And our guide told us that it was a unique thing to see because they rarely, rarely do it now. But other than just going to the banks and looking at it, Brittany and I ended up walking across it. And I think that's a really fun, unique thing to do. It's like if you were in San Francisco, you need to walk across yeah. the Golden Gate Bridge or at least a portion of it right Mm -hmm.
0: we wanted to walk across tower bridge go on the other side walk down to london bridge and cross back over so that we you know did both but london bridge again isn't very impressive but for any harry potter fans out there in the order of the phoenix harry flies over the thames river and over tower bridge on his broomstick so london's a great place for any harry potter fans You can also cross the bridge by car and you can purchase tickets to the towers and the engine rooms and get a guided tour.
2: One thing that we didn't say, and I can't believe we forgot about this, and I'm only thinking of it now as we're talking about Tower Bridge is our double-decker bus tour. Not only included the afternoon trip to Stonehenge, it included a boat ride on the River Thames. So we even got to sail under Tower Bridge also.
1: So it opened up for you?
2: It did not open up because we were low enough Mm -hmm. (laughs) that it doesn't need to draw. So it did not open for us, but that's another unique way to see it. And it's something that I would recommend doing if you can is take a sightseeing tour on a boat on the River Thames. It also gives you another very unique view of London.
0: Another spot to definitely check out while you're in London is a shop called Fortnum and Mason, and it's a famous store known for gift baskets, coffee, and tea. And while I was looking on their website, they actually call their gift baskets hampers. Oh, that's so cute.
2: That's so British, isn't it? Hampers.
0: (laughs) But their tea is amazing so good we picked up some tea we went through it so quickly because it was so delicious and jamal actually has a cousin that lives in london and so some of his cousins go there to visit and then they've come to the u.s as well whenever they bring us back tea from fortnum and mason it is always so amazing particularly i love their elderberry flavor Mm. and then they also have like a royal blend which is like a black royal tea very very good
2: Well, speaking of tea, Brittany mentioned where you can go pick it up. I mean, you'll see Fortnum & Mason everywhere from the airports to shops all around downtown.
0: Kings Cross Station. Kings Cross
2: Station. But Kim, right up your alley can't wait for you to go and have afternoon tea. There are so many places that you can get classic afternoon tea in London. I'm
1: surprised you didn't do it every day you were there.
2: We did not do it every day we were there because we splurged and went balls to the walls on this one, Kim. We went to a spot called Claridge's. It is a hotel. They have a specific tea room where they have the afternoon tea. This place is so famous that Winston Churchill himself and Princess Diana often frequented Claridge's. This is where you want to go if you are the high-end affluent people in London. So we paid a pretty penny for it, but it was well worth it. And every time we show you photos, Kim, you take a shit on it <laughs> because they do yes. not use the tiered tray. That is
1: what afternoon tea is all about. A three-tiered tray with desserts, scones, and small sandwiches. And the presentation is part of it. How could Claridge's leave that out? I
2: agree with you. The presentation is part of it, but you are sold on the three tiered. They have beautiful plates and chinaware that they bring Mm -hmm. it out on. They are not tiered, but they are very elegant, very classy. (laughs) It is not cheap. Oh my gosh, Kim. Hater over here. But honestly, if you Google Claridge's or best places to get afternoon tea in London, I promise you it's going to show up top five for sure. I'm sure there's other places now that have come since then, but this one is one of those classic places.
0: What I loved about Claridge's is, one, it's an experience, and two, you can change your tea every course. So, you know, they bring out your scones and they recommend tea for the scones. And you can choose from the entire list, but you have a tea to enjoy with your scones. And then it's time for the sandwiches. And they ask if you would like to change your tea again Hmm. to pair with the sandwiches. How long did you spend there? few hours, probably two to three hours. And then of course you get your pastries and you can change your tea again for pastries. But one thing that they did is you could order as many sandwiches or anything that you want. So if you wanted double of something, they totally allowed that. And so we actually got stuffed up on the sandwiches and we only ate a few of our pastries and they boxed them up for us to enjoy for us when we got home.
2: Yeah. So I really love Claridge's. If you're into afternoon tea, Google places to go in London. I promise you it'll show up on the top five, but there may be other places, specifically if you're like-minded like Kim and want the tiered trays, that might intrigue you a little bit more. But I do highly recommend Claridge's just for its place in history and what famous UK residents attended high tea there.
0: Yes, it's very, very gorgeous. And they actually have their finest bone china and silverware made for Claridge's specifically.
2: Bone china? What type of bones is it made out of, Brittany? I have no idea. Just bones, apparently.
0: The bones of those queens that were beheaded. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Another must-do in London is to go to a pub. I don't have one particularly in mind. Just go to any of them. They're so much fun. Grab a drink, relax, eat fish and chips mushy peas, drink some beer,
2: bangers and mash, all of the above. You have to go ahead and try a pub experience when you're there. Yeah, you're right. It really doesn't matter where you go at all. Just experience a pub in the UK and London.
1: How is a pub in London different than a pub in San Diego?
2: Well, it's not as rowdy. People are there to have a good time, but it doesn't have that type of feel. I don't know, like I feel like a pub is a place that's really more just a hangout place amongst friends. And yes, you're drinking, but you're not there to do drinking, even though drinking's a big part of it. I don't really know how to explain it, but it has this really <laughs> unique vibe. And I will say a lot of bars here in the US strictly are just drinks. Pubs there are full service when it comes to food also. I mean, you're not at like table tables like it's a restaurant, but you can pretty much order food 24-7 when you're there too.
0: So I know we have some Harry Potter lovers, squad listeners. I'm looking at one. Yes. (laughs) So I'm going to give you guys some Harry Potter references. We did see Millennium Bridge, and this is the steel suspension bridge for pedestrians to cross the River Thames in London. And we walked across it because this is the bridge that the Death Eaters destroy in Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Oh, but it was still standing when you saw it. It It was was still
2: standing. I was a little scared that they were going to come and destroy it (laughs) as I was going across, but we managed to survive.
0: Also, King's Cross Station is another famous Harry Potter landmark. That's where platform nine and three quarters was filmed, but they actually use platforms four and five for filming.
2: Yes, there is no nine and three quarters if you didn't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) However, there is a spot within King's Cross that they've set up for a photo shoot where it does say platform nine and three quarters. And you can take a picture of you pushing a trolley through to the magical world. So that's pretty awesome to get that photo op. And we didn't do this, but we did see that you can go to the Warner Brothers studio in London and you can do a guided Harry Potter tour or visit that for some Harry Potter fun.
2: Yeah. And one thing before we talk about our day trip to Stonehenge a little bit more, because I know we referenced it. Kim, you asked about skyscrapers in London. I forgot the name of the building that we went to because it has been a while since we went, but you would be so proud of us. We went to a fucking rooftop bar in London in a skyscraper 50 stories plus Ooh. up, and it was really cool. The top level was almost, even though it's enclosed, was almost like an atrium. So Ooh. you went in there and it had plants and trees and then just clear glass wow. windows, and it gave you views what of was London. It I don't know. I don't really remember. Damn uh, we, it. We actually searched Rooftop Bars London, and we're trying really, really hard to find it so we could reference what specific name, but it is in a skyscraper.
0: Jamal. I put it in the notes. It's called Skypod Bar.
2: Did you put I missed it in the notes here. I missed it in the notes.
1: Leave it to Brittany to sleuth the internet and find it.
2: Well, we I remember we were looking for it, but uh, yes, apparently it is here and my eyes have deceived me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I am proud of you. I'm very proud to hear that. And when I go, I will definitely hit that up.
2: And another thing that you should definitely hit up going back to Stonehenge and that day trip that we did. So do keep in mind, if you want to go to Stonehenge, it's approximately two hours away from London. Our tour included it. We rode on a motor coach bus do keep in mind, use the restroom before you go. There's not really a lot of places to stop. As we were getting closer, Brittany really had to use the restroom (laughs) and pee really, really bad. And, you know, once you get up there, there's a long line for parking for the bus. And we actually had to tell our bus driver, please just let us off right now so that we could run to the restroom as we were waiting because Brittany really had to go. So do use (laughs) the restroom when you are at the station waiting for the bus.
1: Have you guys heard of those period panties that absorb your period? Yes. I wonder if they would work like if you peed?
0: I don't know. I do have (laughs) some period panties, but I've never tried to pee in them, Kim. I might try that and I'll get back to you. Okay,
2: great. I love how we went from London and Stonehenge (laughs) to peeing in period panties. It's great. But you know what? It may be a good tip for when you're traveling. If you're a girl, you have them. Just, you know, Mm -hmm. it'll help you go.
1: I'm excited to hear about Stonehenge Dub because you know me with ancient ruins. They really get me going.
2: This one would have got you going, Kim. I'm not going to lie to you. Although, you know, it's one of those things that you see when they show it on on documentaries, TV, it's movies. weird.
1: How did it happen? I, I,
2: I don't know. They still don't really but know. But tell
1: people what it is because not
2: everyone knows. Yeah, so Stonehenge is a prehistoric monument. It's actually in the Salisbury Plain in Wiltshire, if I'm saying it correctly. I feel like saying British <laughs> names is always really hard for me. It's almost like Hawaiian names. I don't know why. I just can't really do it. But basically, it is a bunch of stacked stones in a circle. and they, Not
1: just stones. They're like gigantic. Yeah,
2: like boulders. Yeah. Boulders. And they're are stacked in a circle and they really do think that it was some sort of calendar or at least so that's what they say Aliens. it is possibly who really knows on that one
1: it's like how did these giant boulder like rectangle boulders get stacked yeah like mm-hmm. they are exactly without and- any equipment modern equipment that we have now that to move them.
2: Oh yeah. And so they're about thirteen feet high, seven feet wide, and each stone weighs about twenty five tons. So that's fifty thousand pounds. So imagine how somebody and was they're to in move like a 50, perfect 000. circle. In a perfect circle stacked in some sort of like monument, if you Alien will aliens aliens. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. If we want and to go down And Isn't route.
1: there something that says that the stones where they came from was actually somewhere far from where they actually are now?
2: I do believe that is the case. I don't remember off the top of my head. I know that's very true about the stones used to make the pyramids in Egypt. And I think it's the same actually for Stonehenge also.
1: pyramids are made from aliens too.
2: Yeah, and so the stones that they used are not native to that area. And the closest spot was about 70 miles away, if I'm remembering correctly. So I don't want to say this as if it's fact, but I do believe that this is the case. And so it's far away from where they're built. So imagine how long and why somebody just, Decided to move all these stones this far yeah, to do this,
1: but somebody couldn't do it. Something could. <laughs> conspiracy theories.
2: We'll have a new podcast out for you guys soon, talking about conspiracy theories. Believe me, I could go down that rabbit hole oh, all day. Oh, I love conspiracy but,
0: theories. <laughs> but at this
2: point, we're on Stonehenge, and supposedly it's a calendar, as they say.
0: Yes, the monument is oriented towards the sunrise of the summer solstice. And archaeologists believe it was constructed between 3000 to 2000 BC. That's insane. That's insane that we can even date things
1: back that
2: far.
0: But they also do think that it's a place of burial. So
2: oh, let's dig it up. See y- what's under there. Yeah. And Kim, we do have an ornament from Stonehenge that we picked up also. Aww. Not as unique as the one from Harrods, but probably got one cheaper? from Stonehenge. Um, <laughs> I don't really remember actually at this point. All I remember is that it was just expensive in general because London, like we talked about earlier, is an expensive city.
0: So who goes on a vacation and doesn't love to eat I love to eat. Oh, yes. You got to taste the flavors
1: of where you're at.
0: Yes. So we did do a lot of eating in London. And so Jamal's favorite is probably the fish and chips. I
2: know, Kim, you'd love it, too. I mean, when you're in London, you're not going to try some fish and Mm, chips. I
0: might try a nibble.
2: It's a white fish. It's not as fishy. Oh, it's might... a
1: white fish. Yeah. White I fi... want a black fish. White
2: fish is, more... <laughs> white fish is a little <laughs> bit more mild. That's the reason why I say it. But it is a UK and London staple fish and chips. You can find it pretty much anywhere within the city. So when you're there, you do have to try that along with an English breakfast. If you don't know what an English breakfast is, you could even get these at the pubs in the morning. You Kim. can
1: get these on the cruises usually. Yeah. Too.
2: Or any restaurant for that matter. But it's basically fried eggs, sausage, bacon. Bacon, baked tomatoes. So they cut a tomato in half, weird. bake it, mushrooms, your favorite, Ew. Kim. Baked beans. I always and thought toast. that was
1: weird, the baked beans part. It's like <laughs> baked beans in the morning, morning guys. Like yeah. It's
2: like you're camping, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I will so. say this
2: <laughs> the British are not known for their. Cuisine historically now
1: they have afternoon tea and that's all they need.
2: Yes, yes, apparently. <laughs> so you know what? The more I'm going through the food staples here in the UK, Kim, and in London, I don't know if you're going to really like well, it. I
1: actually love shepherd's pie.
2: I love shepherd's pie too. It's going to be made out of lamb though for Ew.
1: you. Ew! <laughs> See, you're not going to want to go to London, Kim. Fuck London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not. Gonna... I'll just eat afternoon tea every day. There
2: you go. But on a non-tiered tray place, I don't think they all do them on tiered trays, on. Kim. See, it's not up your I to bring my own tray.
0: <laughs> Bangers and mash, Kim? Some sausage and mashed potatoes? I like that. Okay. Mushy peas? Mm. You know what? I was a little skeptical at first. I was like, mushy peas, but they actually are really, really good.
2: Bomb. So give it a shot. You know, here in the U.S. with fish and chips, we have obviously the chips, which are the french fries, and it usually comes with coleslaw. Well, over there in the U.K., it does not come with coleslaw. It comes with fries and mushy peas, and let me tell you something. I'm fucking in love. I thought to myself, (laughs) my God, they took peas and just mushed them but somehow it's what absolutely about amazing. What the seasonings?
1: Like, did they do anything just besides mush?
2: I mean, yeah, it's yeah. definitely seasoned. There's <laughs> okay. some salt, pepper, and a couple other things oh, in there, I'm sure, seasoning-wise. But yeah, <laughs> just the basics is what you need. But I really love the mushy peas. It's not peas.
0: like our canned peas here. They, these are actually, like, really good peas. I've come around to peas. They're pretty
1: good in fried rice and stuff. So I'd give it a shot.
2: The trick with peas is you can't cook them for very long. They have to be cooked Until to the they point get where mushy. they're cooked. No, well, I mean... <laughs> They're just barely cooked and then they mush them but they still need to be like a bright green. green, If you cook them too long they'll turn like an opaque ugly looking green. Yeah, you definitely don't want that. That's what
0: I envision
1: like a brownish green
2: mush. this
0: is like a bright green mush. Okay. But there was a restaurant called Duck and Waffle that we went to actually with Jamal's cousin Nadine and it's a restaurant on the 40th floor and it's open 24 hours so it has really good views and pretty good food.
2: Yeah, we really did enjoy Duck and Waffles and its famous in london so if you want to go to a specific spot to eat with a good view i would recommend duck and waffle and then we mentioned the shepherd's pie but most people maybe don't know what it is it's basically a pie so almost think of it almost like a pot pie right but mm-hmm. it's really with meat usually it's ground lamb Maybe Kim, you'll find ground beef, yes, with veggie base of mashed potatoes and other veggies like peas, carrots, carrots and things like that in there, and it's all baked together. And I told Brittany, I said, I can't leave London without having a shepherd's pie. I did, loved it. It was great.
1: The one time I think I've had it that I remember, we actually were at afternoon tea in Escondido. Oh. And they had mini Shepherd's pies. And it was like meat, carrots, peas on the bottom, and then mashed potato topping. Yes. It was so
0: good. So you have to have it. And Jamal did mention earlier the Skypod bar, but he said we couldn't remember the name. <laughs> I remember having a
2: difficult time finding it. Apparently, you Not found it. it and I don't remember it. So, kudos to you, Brittany, to scour for it.
0: But that's the rooftop bar situated amongst the gardens, offering some of the best city views, and you can drink could dine and you can enjoy live music there. Ooh, are there a lot of rooftop bars in London?
2: When we were Googling this to try to find it and apparently I didn't find it. Brittany found it as <laughs> we've discussed. I mean l- literally there showed over fifty of Ooh, them that I looked okay. on just I one need to list. prioritize So there's this a visit. lot, yes.
0: Kim is gonna go to London for the rooftop bars and the afternoon tea. She's gonna say yep. fuck this to all the other food. <laughs> Yeah, I might see
1: like Buckingham Palace and all those things, but I'll be busy with afternoon tea. Yeah, (laughs) and Stonehenge.
2: You got to get the runes to get you going. Oh, yeah. Of course.
1: Well, it is my favorite time of the week. Questions of the week. First question we have coming in hot Emma B. She says, how many days do you need in London for a first timer?
0: I would say three to four days is the perfect amount of time. Full days, though, not like travel in days and whatnot. You need three to four full days to fully experience London.
1: Okay, I'm just going to piggyback off this with another question. On all the things that we listed, you mentioned Tower Bridge you can skip. Is there anything else you could skip?
2: Not Tower Bridge to skip. London, London Bridge. Bridge to London skip. Bridge. You know, I don't know about that. I mean, we went uh, out of our way for a couple things to do Millennium Bridge and then go to King's Cross Station. Not a Harry Potter yeah, fan yeah. you can You could omit those, but it's really not going to take a lot of time because their tube line is so awesome that it doesn't take a long time to really get to it. So I don't want to say there's certain things that you can omit. It's really your flavor. You're not going to go to London and not really see these famous sites, right? Everything else in between. Maybe if somebody doesn't care about history, then you don't really need to go to Stonehenge. Am I glad I went? Yes. When I was there, was I underwhelmed? Yes. Mm -hmm. Could it have anything to do with the fact that it was pouring rain on us that day? Yes. So, (laughs) I mean, it really really depends on that but i would agree with Brittany. three to four days you'll definitely be able to see and do everything you could for sure spend longer time there if you want one thing that i'm really disappointed that we didn't get to do was go to london's natural history museum i heard it's like one of the best top three in the world Mm. my cousin has been there came highly recommended we just didn't really have enough time and i want to go back to specifically do that and see these things again because i enjoyed london so much
1: Second question we have, we might have already answered. They're asking, where's the best place for afternoon tea in London? I know we said Claridge's, but is there anywhere else you would recommend?
0: Well, when we were doing research, of course, we came across some other places. They have afternoon tea at the drawing room at Brown's Hotel at the drawing room at Duke's London. Mm. So a lot of them are like the drawing rooms for specific hotels, but there's a place called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Afternoon Tea, Ooh. which also has really good reviews and Afternoon Tea at the Monotog on the Gardens, which sounds pretty fancy. Yeah, I like that one. Do your research. Make sure they have the tiered trays before you book.
2: Or be classic and eat <laughs> on the bone china at Claridge's where royalty has feasted before, you know, to each their own, I guess, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then our third and final question here is, Is this a good trip for a solo traveler?
0: That's actually a really good question. And yes, this would be a great place for a solo traveler. London is so easy to get around. The tube lines are so easy to navigate by yourself. Everyone speaks English, so language isn't going to be an issue. And I feel like it's a very walkable city as well. And we didn't feel unsafe at all. So I feel like it's a really good place as a solo traveler to Hmm, visit. Maybe this will be my first solo trip.
2: I think it would be a really good spot, and like I said, the pubs are for drinking, but not really for drinking, for social. So if somebody's a solo person, you'll get an experience of having gone to a pub in the UK in London, and you can meet people there too. So it could almost be like your version of a hostel. You're going there, you're chatting, you're having a good time. So I do think London would actually be a really good spot for a solo. Kim, if it's your solo trip, I hope it's an awesome one, but I would really love to go with you and take you to Claridge's so that you can stop (laughs) raining on on our parade on that one and you can really enjoy the afternoon tea.
1: Well, I will have to think about that. We can make a special request. (laughs) Tell them,
2: we don't want this China. Do you have tiered China? And we'll see what they say. Yeah, there we
1: go. (laughs) Special request for the Queen. (laughs) All right, squatties, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Keep the adventures going with us by following us on Instagram and YouTube at Travel
2: Squad Podcast.
1: Tag us in your adventures and send us in your questions of the week.
2: If you found the information in this episode to be useful, or if you thought we were just plain funny, please be sure to share it with a friend that would enjoy it too. And as always, please subscribe, rate and review our podcast and tune in every travel tuesday for new episodes
0: stay tuned for next week's episode we have some more amazing adventures and tips in store for you bye Bye,